0: Crush your sugar cravings with delicious all natural bossa bars for menopause. Created to help women manage weight loss and energy during the pause. And just in time for the holidays, the new double chocolate brownie bossa bar. Try them at bossabars.com and save 10% with code HOTCULL10.
1: Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. And it is the holiday season, Bridget. How is your Christmas shopping going? Oh, my
0: gosh. Well, I'm pretty much done because <gasps> oh you know right. we're going on a vacation. So we had my family's holiday um, actually exchange yesterday. And I had a nephew get married this weekend. So we had a big old fun time at that wedding. And, you know, so it's done. And then, you know, we're leaving. We're going to be gone for Christmas. And we're going to have our little family of four uh, exchange on Saturday morning. (laughs) So,
1: So how about how's yours going? What's going on with you? You know, it's a funny thing. I'm almost done, but my husband is Jewish and I swear because he didn't get Christmas as a young person, he is the hardest person. His list starts in October. And he just <laughs> keeps adding to he it. Adds a vibe. Oh my gosh, he just keeps adding to it. So today, or actually yesterday, he added another thing oh. because we went to a festival in our uh, in the city that we live in, and he saw something he wanted. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with you. I spend more money on you than I do the children. Oh, my. Um,
0: no. I don't. do. John, my husband, he, John, just is like, I don't know. I don't want anything. But, you know, I'm just as bad with him. Right. I, I don't know what to tell him that I want. So... You know, that's just how it happens. But well, no, if my you guys, kids are
1: worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My kids send me, because, you know, I hate to pay full price for anything. My kids send me their list by um, Black Friday. They know if you oh, want yeah. something, especially if it's a bigger ticket item. You better send it by Black Friday. Yeah. yeah. No.
0: Maggie used to send me a PowerPoint from the time she was <laughs> like fifth grade, non,
1: I would get a PowerPoint. It used to be you handed them the Toys R Us catalog and they just circled or cut things oh, yeah. out. That was yes. the good old days. Yeah. Well, guys, if you're still looking for the perfect holiday gift, our gift guide is up on our website, howflashescooltopics.com. We've got over 30 pages of great gift items for you. Not for your husband, not for your kids, but for you. So if you are still trying to figure out how to answer that question, What do I want? Check that out. And today we are talking to one of our Cool Topics episodes. We are talking to Christy Bowe, who is a chief news photographer at the White House and author of the book Eyes That Speak. Bridget and I were interested in talking to Christy because the idea that she has lived through five consecutive presidents plus eight Supreme Court confirmations as a photographer we were really curious about what she's seen not so much what she's heard but what she's seen how she did go through uh January 6th she's going to talk about that that was very jarring but I just thought it was fascinating oh
0: of course I did I am a history buff and in particularly a president's a presidential buff like just history of the presidents you know it didn't even matter at you know, at the time no it didn't even matter what political party they were in i was just kind of in, you know fascinated interested in the whole aspect of the office and just how things have even change, changed since christy started working in this position and you know how just things in the world have changed how security has really had to be amped up and then with covid how you can't have as many people around. So you're going to really hear about that. But just the way she got into it, the little intricacies that you have to know to be able to be there or be in the room where it happens, you know, to quote Hamilton, to be in the room where it happens. So I just found that really interesting and fascinating. And you just really, you know, now that we see these photos and photos that we have seen everywhere that she took so many of them and really what was going on when that was happening. I just found it
1: fascinating. So we're not going to get political on this episode, but we are going to talk about everybody from Bill Clinton on. (laughs) So you're going to get a little taste of everyone. And we're going to let Christy get started. We'll talk to you afterwards. Enjoy.
0: Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, everybody. We are so excited today to have Christy Bowe on. And Christy Bow is a photojournalist for the White House. Since the Clinton years, it's really exciting. She has a book out uh, titled Eyes That Speak, One Woman News Photographer's Journey with History Makers. Welcome to the show, Christy.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I
0: just, I've read your book and I am... I would love for you to share with our readers how this came about, how this job as a photographer, and if you could share a little bit about how you got into this position uh, in the White House.
2: Sure. Well, first off, I'm a member of the White House Press Corps. I'm not hired by the White House. I'm not a White House staff photographer. Uh, We members of the Press Corps, the advantage that we have is that we stay through different administrations. The staff photographers for each president leave upon their leaving. I've been um, fortunate enough to have been able to photograph the last five presidents, and I'm currently photographing Biden, covering him. But um, the downside of that is the staff photographers, of course, get better access than we do. But uh, the good news is we get the longevity. I am one of just a couple of still w- women, still photographers. Who have covered five administrations. And as far as how I got into this, I was traveling with some friends cross country when, uh, and took, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember the old 110 cameras with the little teeny negatives, the little flat cameras with the square flashlights on. Yeah. So I was using those, came back, took a ton of pictures, and those little square pictures came back. And I was like, that's not what I saw. That's, you know, and of course, going to Texas, there's a lot of flat, flat land down there. So it, it just, it was not what I had, had seen. So uh, that kind of began my fascination with wanting people to be able to see through my point of view. And then I came back and got a, a 35 millimeter camera and went to school and took some classes and then started hanging out with other, other people who were photographers and started working for a little newspaper, taking pictures of their real estate and getting into count, you know, the real estate section of the houses. And then uh, I started doing things for the local government in more of a in the public information office so it was more people oriented and people doing things and uh to me that was of much better interest to me and a little more challenging so then one day I went uh down because I wanted to get you know some more people experience and I went down to a pro-choice rally in Washington where there was tens of thousands of people and thinking, well, this is great. I got plenty of subjects. That's It's all good. And I may or may not have had a legitimate press pass <laughs> <laughs> and ran into somebody there who uh, kind of called me on that and said, well, that was a nice job, but that's really, uh, you yeah, know, that's not the real thing. Here's the real thing, which he had. And uh, and then he said, but he appreciated my workmanship and he goes, how'd you like to come up on the price, press truck with us? And which he had no authority to do. <laughs> and, and I said, sure. And I jumped on and, and, uh, never looked back and I worked for a while at UPI, United Press International. And then from there met Sarah McClendon, who I talk about in my first chapter. Those of you who remember Helen Thomas, who um, I was so proud to have her do the forward for my book, and uh, she always sat in the front row of the White House. And she's passed since passed away. Well, one of her buddies was Sarah McClendon, who I ended up being her photographer, and she covered the White House. And she was she scared all the presidents. They were <laughs> so worried about what would come out of her mouth. Bill Clinton said that in an interview. He said, I was always terrified to call on her because she would just get right to the heart of the matter and with no holes bared. And she really was um, quite good at having the president recognize her. She just could not, um, you know, she, she would not be ignored. That's, uh, yeah. that's why I named that chapter because she would go, Mister President, and then it would get louder and louder, and finally, Mister President, and then he'd <laughs> go, God. So they'd have to call on her. That was kind of cool, and she showed me the ropes there. And she was the voice of the little people. So, uh, like often when we would go. uh, you know to 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 an event of some kind. And she had access to all kinds of things, and me being her photographer, so did I. Uh, and we would often travel by cab. And as I say in my book eyes that speak, um, that we were one day going to the White House for a, a press conference for President Clinton. And the cab driver, she always insisted on sitting in the front seat with the cab driver. And she would always talk with them about their life and, you know, uh, everything. It was just kind of uh, cool. And so this this one particular day stuck out in my mind where she asked this cab driver, if he could ask the president of the United States anything, what would that be? And he had a question about immigration of some kind. I can't remember the exact question. And 45 minutes later, she was asking the president of the United States that cab driver's question. And that, to me, was just so cool that she would, you know, um, be such a voice for for people. And so, you know, I learned some really valuable experience from working with her. And then later on, I don't know, maybe five years later or so, I said, you know, Sarah... I would kind of like to start my own little photography news service, image catcher news service. And you kind of have to have somebody sponsor you for credentials and things like that for the white house and Capitol Hill, uh, and show that you are you know, affiliated with legitimate news services in order to get a pass. And she said, absolutely. And really was all about giving people a hand up. And that's what, you know i think it's just so important all the way around because now in news be, being a 24-hour news cycle things are so competitive that uh, because there's so many news outlets and people you know reporting stories and everybody's pretty much a reporter now anybody that's got a cell phone can be a reporter
1: and there's good and bad with that you know you have been through five presidential administrations and Number one, I want to know what you've seen kind of change with each administration. But also, you have been in through some of the most incredible events that we have lived through, like 9-11 and like January 6th. And have you noticed that it's getting more difficult to be in the press now than it was in the beginning?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely not only that, I mean, I learned that firsthand at the, um, at the insurrection on on January 6th, that the media was the enemy of the people for sure. People were, were smashing uh, TV cameras. CNN had their cameras smashed and lit on fire. Um, Another woman news photographer got punched in the face and her camera smashed, stomped on. Um, It was, yeah, it was, I, I ended up, putting my, after having a um, face-to-face encounter with a bunch of the proud boys and they were yelling derogatory things um, about the media, I ended up stashing my credentials in my jacket for the rest of the time I was there so that I could just be one of the crowd and not targeted. So yeah, that's, that has come a long way. Then um, several years ago, the media was so demonized that a lot of the reporters had to have bodyguards, armed bodyguards, accompany them to like rallies and things like that. That's just unbelievable to me for how things started out, you know, years ago when I was first starting out in Clinton's first, um, uh, administration, he had a, uh, uh, he and Hillary had a fair for us where a carnival, on the south lawn of the White House that and it was all hush hush. And then one day it said, the president's having something for us. Come on out. And we came out and there was like Ferris wheels and merry-go-rounds and cookouts and beer and and it was like, wow, uh that was that was just unbelievable. I mean there was at one time a really good uh relationship with the press. Now, true the Monica Winsky thing put a little bit of a damper on that because then um, you know it was everybody for themselves <laughs> there trying to cover that story and then uh, things kind of um, I mean they were still pretty good compared to you know uh, access was was much better I mean if you that's I think is one of the things I have seen change uh, sadly through each administration it it gets less and less I was just at the uh, Biden bill signing a few weeks ago where he was signing for the bill chips and the economy and everything in the in the state dining room and there was normally there would have been a ton of people there there would have been a lot of media coverage and you have to RSVP now to um, get into events and a lot of times they'll say no we can't accommodate you And then you get into the room, one of the big rooms, like the East Room or the uh, State Dining Room, which is a large area, and you see they're only utilizing like half the space. Um, Now, not in the case of what I'm just talking about that I was at a couple weeks ago. They utilize the space pretty well there. But uh, there was just much less of us. There was maybe, I don't know, 12 photographers, maybe 15, where there used
1: to be like 75 do you think that's a pandemic thing? Or? I think it
2: is. I, I think it is. But it's kind of like, and, and it also at the Capitol, there's that too. I've been trying to cover the January 6th hearings. And that's difficult because they only are giving out when they used to give out something like 50 or 75 passes. The passes, they only gave out like 25. It, it's just much more limited for everything. In, in Washington than what it was. And and it's gonna be interesting to see if this is the new normal, you know, that's what concerns me. And then even looking out and obviously, you know, the whole country has been through terrible times, especially with COVID and everything else. Just, it seemed like there was just back to back problems and crises, which, you know, for people in my line of work, it's keeping us real busy but it's also exhausting. And and looking out, because I had a terrible time trying to figure when should I say the end to this book? Because it's very difficult when you're writing about news that's continuously happening. So I kept, I was thinking the beginning of President's, President Obama's first inauguration, there you go. That's, that's it. That's, and no. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just do this and then, And the next thing I knew, it was eight years later, I was like, well, I may as well do President Trump's inauguration. And then, as we know, that was a very wild
1: ride there for four years. I know one of the things that you talk about is the fact that having watched and photographed five different administrations, that people tend to forget they're human beings, that actually yes. are living there and experiencing that. Can you talk about the differences maybe from a human level for each of those presidents, maybe something in their personality that was different?
2: Well, I think that all of them, what what I, I say that the commonality from your question that, that looking back on this is all of them have been very family oriented. The Clintons, for sure, um, and the but the Bushes and and the Obamas and uh, and Trump was was extremely family oriented because you know to uh, half his family worked there so um, and so they they did have that in common. Different uh, presidents would engage with the press more than others. There was um, certain presidents had preferences over. Um, TV versus um, still photographers, and Clinton kind of liked both. Bush was pretty good, also with both. But I would say between the two, he preferred still photographers. And I, he was my favorite was George W. Covering him, he was the most real and genuine, and kidded around with us and kidded around with me because sometimes I would be the only woman still photographer. Very rarely. But on a couple of occasions, I was the only woman still photographer in the Oval Office when he was, um, had, had like another world leader in there with him and we were in there photographing and we were there for a very brief period, like seconds, like um, 30 seconds, could be less, uh, could be 15. Um, so during that time, you know, it's important to make the most of, of things, but he would kid around and you're not allowed to speak to the president in the Oval Office, unless you're spoken to first, especially if you're not a, if if you are a photographer and not a reporter, because we have an unspoken rule that, you know, photographers take pictures and reporters ask questions so that there's not too much chaos. But the president used to speak to me all the time, you know, once in a while he would. uh, And one of the times when um, I was the only um, woman photographer in there, the handlers at the White House, when they want you to get out of the Oval Office and leave, they'll say, thank you very much. And so in, in this this particular time, they said, gentlemen, thank you very much. And then uh, President Bush said, hey, wait a minute. And then he pointed to me and he goes, there's a lady here. And so I said, thank you for noticing, Mr. President. And then he, <laughs> winks and he goes, I always notice. And he's, I mean, it was in a joking, fun kind of way, not a perv way. It was a really nice, nice, uh, nice thing. So, and once in a while he'd say how the guys treat me today and things like that. He liked um, still photographers. I found Obama pretty much. Well, he, he didn't mind either. I would say he, um, would probably well he he had Pete Souza his personal photographer that that uh that covered a lot of things so from that standpoint i think we did not have as good access as we could have because he had Pete Souza doing everything and we still came in and did things but a lot of things shrunk down the whole RSVP thing started in the obama administration And, uh, and then there used to be two waves that we called it, but it's really groups of photographers, like 15 at a time would go in to give everybody a chance for that 10, 15 seconds. And I mean, and how much is that out of an event, right? It's like one minute that that's all one minute for two different waves of people where you could get other points of view from other, other members of the media. And uh, that was a very valuable thing. And, Sadly, President Obama decided he didn't want that anymore. Just one wave. So it's never changed back. Now it's one wave. So now half the amount of people get to go, and even less now because of COVID. With President Biden, it's just been much more limited because the RSVP thing has gotten, you know, is, is used regularly, plus everything is smaller because of COVID. You know, in your book, too, you talk about,
0: it's when I'm reading it, and I'm talking, i um, reading about how you have to rush to one place and rush to the other. Is it still like that? I know that certain situations come up, but can you talk a little bit about certain situations where you are just booking it on different forms of transportation? Well, I'd have to say
2: the last time I have, things have slowed down quite a bit, again, because of the access problem. But I would say for the last part of the, Trump's time in office was crazy because there was the impeachment going on. There was a the State of the Union. I have a picture in my book of, of President Trump coming into the Capitol to give the State of the Union to come into the House chambers. And he always, the Supreme Court justices are there, and he's having to um, meet and say hi to Chief Justice Roberts. Who is overseeing his impeachment where they're giving the verdict the next day so all that was like ah! and then, <laughs> then um, and we're sitting on little, on steps on concrete and metal steps up in the balconies at the State of the Union so we, I mean a couple of people are allowed on the floor but only like two or three people that are photographers so you know I was very grateful to be let in at all that that whole period was so awful as far as having to be in two places at one time and then also having to run downtown to get special credentials and get verification of your shots and, and COVID tested before mm-hmm. Biden's inauguration and then the insurrection thrown in, that was a lot. but um, and, and that's one of the things that made me think as I was, um, you know, I'm getting older, certainly, like like the rest of us, but I had, during all that time, I had a pinch of nerve in my spine, and having to carry all that gear, I uh, got shot up with port- cortisone shots in my spine just to be able to get me through the inauguration, and sitting on those concrete floors for hours for the State of the Union, it, um, I, I was in such pain at that point. I said, you know, I have, I've got to leave. And, and if you leave before the, while the president's still talking, you're good to go. If you wait until the president finishes talking, everything's locked down till he gets out of the area. So I thought I'm going to get out of here now because I'm in so much pain. I can't stand it. And I left. And what do you think happened? Two minutes after I left, Nancy Pelosi tore up the speech, and oh, I was like, ah! I remember that <laughs> yes,
1: timing is everything. Time yeah. is yes, timing
2: is everything. <laughs> everything, and, yeah." Uh, but I was right next to the first lady's box, and I had the pictures of the Venezuelan president and her, uh, the first lady giving the presidential medal of freedom to Rush Limbaugh, and and all these things were happening, and it just. Tuskegee Airmen that was there, and all these just fantastic opportunities were there that we were kidding each other, saying, "Wow, we, we feel like if you reach under your seat,
1: you want to see if you want a car."
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all you the opportunities. Get...
1: Yeah, With, yeah. I, I was hoping you could share a little bit more about the insurrection and what number 1 kind of that day was like for you and how you ended up kind of in a dangerous area and like can you just talk about that day from your perspective sure
2: i had wanted to go down for the counting of the votes because we're normally not allowed into the senate chamber um at all other than every 4 years for the certification of the votes and i had never done that in my 30 year career so i thought you know why not now so I requested that and was denied because of COVID restrictions that very few people were allowed in there. And then I said, well, all right, well, I'm all right, I tried and that's that's it. So I was not even thinking of going because I saw President Trump so much. I was not going to that Stop the Steal rally necessarily. I had other things I was working on. And um, so I decided that I wasn't going. And then I heard on the radio, And on TV, they're saying, whatever you do, don't go downtown today. It's going to be a potentially very dangerous situation. And people in my line of work, that's when you say, let's go. Right. (laughs) We jumped in the car and ran down there. And then I thought, okay, he's talking. So we're listening to his speech along the way and thought, well, the people are going to be going towards the Capitol. So, um, I'm going to position myself at the Capitol so that they're coming towards me instead of being, you know, locked into the crowd. And so that's what I did. And then everybody at the, as I talk about in that chapter in the book, everybody had their speakers on cell phone. I mean, their their cell phone phone speaker. speaker? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, so you could hear president Trump's voice everywhere. And he was just down the street um, a short way. And so the people were, were okay. And, but as the crowd and and vice president Pence came in while we're waiting and I'm doing crowd pictures and, and there was, um, all kinds of interesting get up that people were wearing, like dressed up like the statue of Liberty and all kinds of things. So I was keeping myself busy there doing that. And then turned and saw the Proud Boys. And I knew they were the Proud Boys. I can't say how, because they didn't have like t-shirts on that said Proud Boys. They, they just had an aura about them where it was like, they're in charge and get out of our way. And there was about 300 of them there that day. I saw maybe 100 of them were over on the side where I was. And one of them started yelling derogatory things to me. So I ended uh, as being a member of the media. So I um, kept, I kept photographing and they, and they kept walking towards me. And then uh, when they got maybe 20 yards away, I, because I'm backing up while I'm photographing. Right. And then I saw a tree and I thought, let me jump behind here, which I did. And then I put my credentials in my jacket for the rest of the time because it was too dangerous to be a member of the media. And then there was, I mean, it was just surreal the way that when they got there, things changed so much from country, from people all over the country that were there. Nobody was hostile or angry at all. Um, and then then as they came in the entire mood changed where it was just full of hate and I can't even describe it just the whole and and then people were that were coming in all of a sudden were having a lot of tactical gear and bulletproof vests and walkie-talkies and and camo vests and a couple of gas masks and you know, everything was changing. And then there was this one older woman nearby where I was. And this one guy came and he could have been one of the proud boys. I I think he might've been. Um, He came over and said to her, the fencing, because everybody was, was, uh, was kept behind this riot fencing. And he said, "Uh, you need to get out of the way because my guys are going to be taking that fence down there. And things are going to get crazy here and you are going to be trampled. So the older lady goes, oh, so she got out of Dodge. And I was like, where are you coming through exactly? And he, he pointed over to was, you know, was uh, maybe 50 yards away, 25 yards away. And and so I started heading over to that area and sure enough, just like he said, within like four minutes, the police came running up and, and uh, you know, trying to do double reinforcements with each other. And then the fence came down and she would have been trampled. Wow. So, and then everybody is, by then things are really getting out of control and, and they, everybody was chanting, um, stop the steal. And, and this is on the east side of the Capitol. The west side of the Capitol was way worse than where I was. But where I was was significant. So as, as people were going up the stairs of the Capitol, somehow things had, had changed after the fencing came down. Things had kind of changed from a crowd to a mob. And as people were going up the stairs, the chanting changed from stop the steel to hang Mike Pence. And we knew that he was in the building and around the corner on the west side of the Capitol was a gallow and a noose. And it just was totally out of control. And then, you know, people got up to the uh, top of the stairs and, and uh, first there was like victory kind of thing. And then they started smashing the windows out. So it was a absolutely surreal time. And after covering that, Immediately following the impeachment and that wild State of the Union, then, uh, and I also covered Biden's inauguration, all the other inaugurations, there had been tens of thousands, sometimes a million, like with President Obama, of people when you look out at the Capitol as the sun is, is, the dawn is breaking and you look out, you see all these, you know, all these people for as far as you can see. It's just wall-to-wall people. And with that, we looked out, and I was very grateful that I was included in getting credentials for that, because a lot of people did not. But uh, I had a terrible position, but I was still on the grounds. So uh, I looked out that morning, and there was no one there but 25,000 National Guard with high-powered rifles. And I saw, that's the end to my book. I mean
0: this sounds like it was a war zone. I mean it appeared to be a war zone. It, it was a like, war zone. I yeah, tried to get yeah. over
2: to the west side of the capital. I was making my way over that way and there was so much tear gas that people were coming out of there unless you had a gas mask on, you just couldn't couldn't get over there by the time I was heading over there.
1: Have you reached a point where you can kind of sense when something's about to happen to like the new like almost have a sixth sense like the news people are saying all right? Something's about to happen. I better get ready with my gear and everything mm-hmm. else.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do. And, and that's one thing that I, I like to say to other photographers that are starting out is trust your gut and trust, you know, trust your instincts on things. Like I was so caught up in the mob going up the stairs while I was photographing and things were happening so quickly um, that you were getting swallowed up. And then the next thing I knew, it was like being in a concert back in the day, right, where, where you're standing up and, and all of a sudden you can't even hardly lift your arms up because there's people smashed in front of you and the side of you and behind you. It was the same kind of thing where all I could get at one point was the head of the person in front of me because I was so crushed in and it was just wall to wall people. So I made my way out along the side of the crowd to work the peripheral side of it. So that I could still move freely and not be crushed, which was also, you know, a a plus.
1: If you had one or two pictures that you're maybe most proud of or think they're just some of your best work, what comes to mind?
2: I would have to say one of my favorites is the three presidents walking out of the Oval Office together of Clinton, Obama and Bush because... Uh, And that's back when I thought my book was going to be done (laughs) after Mm -hmm. Obama. I was like, well, how nice is this that all three presidents are right here together? And that really struck me about how they are so unique in being the leaders of the free world and that they're in a special club there that, that only each one of them knows what it's like to be in that office and under the intense scrutiny and having to, to, um, um, you know, greet the family members at Dover air force base of the, of the, um, I think it's air force base Dover base there where they bring the uh, dead soldiers in with the families and stuff. That's just gut wrenching kind of things, the Sandy hook and having to deal with stuff like that, that, um, nobody understands that i think and plus the whole bubble aspect of it where there's nothing you can do that is not documented so and if god help you if you go bike riding with your toe clips on and fall off your bike then everybody says you're old and you're an idiot and that's unfortunate because that happens to everybody but that that's you know the kind of thing and with president uh, bush they would make fun of him tripping over his words when he'd speak. And they, you know, people would criticize him for that. But you give him credit on this. He did not use a uh, teleprompter that much. He, he used it, obviously, for State of the Union and big speeches. He would he would use it. But he flew without a net quite a bit. Whereas President Obama used a teleprompter all the time. And President Biden uses it all the time. That uh, Trump... Used it sometimes, but he would always go ad lib, you know, from it because we could see the TV screen of the teleprompter of what the words were. And like, wait a second, that's not what that says.
1: (laughs) Well, we could tell so many stories, but your book shares a lot of them. And so we, you know, suggest that you guys go check out Eyes That Speak, One Woman News Photographer's Journey with History Makers. Thank you so much, Christy, for being on the show today.
2: Thank you. It's available on Amazon or fine bookstores.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Christy, for being on this show today. I found that just really incredibly fascinating Scary when you hear the, the situations that she was in. I can't imagine feeling that physically threatened, uh, how she felt, especially on January 6th. And
1: she was going into it as opposed yes. to away from it.
0: I mean, you know, being on the steps, being everywhere, and just seeing that face her, you know, having to hide her credentials because her job was dangerous. And just, I found it fascinating the way she got into it how she got started. And I think it's really incredible. I love sharing stories about women who are in their prime, like us, like most of our listeners, that are really out there doing really cool, incredible, important things, you know, just, just to share information with us,
1: at just everything about it. Guys, make sure to follow us on all forms of social media. We have TikTok. We have Facebook. We have Instagram. We have LinkedIn. We have Twitter. We have Pinterest. yeah. And I think yes. those are all the ones we have. I think, that, I think so. <laughs> I think that's enough. I think that keeps us full time. I think it does. Yeah. And we will have the links to her book. Oh, and YouTube.
0: Any... Did you say YouTube? Oh, YouTube. No, I didn't. We have YouTube. So we we put most of these episodes
1: on YouTube. And sometimes we'll put some clips out there too. The link for the book and any information that we talked about will be in the show notes. Guys, have a great week. We hope you're enjoying your holidays. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.